0: Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. Oh, friends, forever I love Atlanta. We have so many things to be proud of in this city. There are great gobs of people, traffic that moves most days. The Olympics were here, we've got Coca-Cola and Delta, the Varsity, and the Claremont Lounge. But this beloved spot is no longer a lone strip club found on punts. No no. Now, towering more mightily than before in all of its historic glory, sits Hotel Claremont, and Down just a few flights of stairs, you'll find Tiny Lou's. And Jeb Aldrich is at the helm of the kitchen there. And the French-inspired menu has a story that's worth hearing. And don't worry, we're going to get there. And Jeb has spent a considerable amount of time here in the city and elsewhere. And what's happening at Tiny Lou's now is pretty awesome. And we caught up at the restaurant so I could hear his story. So here he is. Need that today? I just don't need an umbrella. It's a giant umbrella, and uh, yeah, so that's what I get. You know, whatever it is, you know, someone was. We have those cool uh, Claremont Hotel umbrellas at the lobby, though. If you want to check those out, I promise not to steal one. (laughs) I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, Um, Chef Jeb Aldrich, welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast, my friend. How are you? I'm very good. Very good. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, this is great, man. I um, I have a lot of questions for you because this is this is a huge honor for me. I I'm like fourth and Swift, like old school days. Okay. You know, that, oh, yeah, that yeah. was actually probably the second restaurant that I, well, real restaurant that I went to eat at when we moved to Atlanta back in 2013. Yep. So yep. seeing everything happen across the street, you know, with Pont City, I mean, that's back when it was like, what are they doing with this building? You know? And yeah, uh, this
1: whole neighborhood in general has just completely transformed. Yeah, to, where, to what it was. Um, you know, 10 years ago, even, I mean, I first moved to Atlanta in 2001. So in the last 20 years, I mean, masquerade in that whole neighborhood, you know, you I didn't know. go to that part. You know, yeah. It was completely different yeah than that. I mean,
0: I, uh, I grew up in Florida, but I used mm-hmm. to come up to it and I would go to shows, uh, man, back when the Cotton Club was still underneath um, Tabernacle, Oh yeah. yeah. and then I we'll yeah. go to shows at Tabernacle or Masquerade. Those were the only two venues yeah. that I but knew. But the bands that playing. have played at Masquerade are some
1: of the you know, oh amazing. big time. Radiohead's played there. Yeah. You know, it's 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 amazing. Yeah. You know, and to see it gone, that's kind of sad to sense. Yeah, too, but
0: totally. I, n- I never got to see Radiohead at Masquerade. <laughs> I mean, I saw like these little punk ass bands where I was like with my friends. You know, we're in a like tiny little honda civic and we're you know eating McDo- like yeah. at mcdonald's they, nirvana played it masquerade <laughs> right. you yeah. know like these bands but they before they were yeah.
1: big they played masquerade yeah i
0: know there has just been there's been so much within i mean just a few square blocks really of this side of the east side of atlanta that is incomprehensible if you think it about is. like in the it number is. of years of and especially how much change has really come um but it, it's it's also really cool too because you know it in a really good way as much infamy as there is with uh the claremont lounge hotel claremont now tiny loos it's 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 both infamy and also like extreme soft spot in some people's hearts it's almost it is
1: it's it's the 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 neighborhood is very (laughs) atlanta in general is very attached to this property yeah um and you see it um and you see it in the people that come here every day totally Uh, the diversity of people that come here you know it's young old it's it's everybody you know and it's it's property wide um you'll see a lot more people come in from other areas of atlanta during the weekends but then during the week you have a lot of regulars that come here just want to be a part of what's going on here and we try to uh, you know involve the locals a lot too with what's going on around here um one cool thing about the you know the the development of this neighborhood is it still has maintained its character a lot. Totally. Like, it's, you know, it hasn't, you know, become this something that's not. Um, It still feels like this neighborhood is just... Yeah, kind of come along a little bit farther now, so it's yeah. cool to see and be a part of for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. And I, there's there's a lot more that I want to get into, especially just about Hotel Claremont, Tiny Lou's, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, since you are fresh on the Atlanta Foodcast here, um, <laughs> and I'm not sure you've probably seen a lot of your you know past colleagues that have been on the show, so you get the first question that everybody gets, and I want to know who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she.
1: Uh, cooked for me. Um. I've kind of got into cooking, just cooking for myself a lot. Um, you know, I was raised by a single mother, so, you know, there's a lot of work there. Um, and I'd get home from school, and I'd have to cook for myself a lot when I got home, you know, because she was at work or such. Um, but it's also kind of how I found my way into the kitchen. Um, I kind of cooked a lot when I was younger. Uh, and then, you know, it's like, all right, 16, you need to get a job. You need to go do something. So, you know, minus being a little umpire for a little league baseball team, um, that was the only other job I ever had. I started washing dishes when I was 16, and I haven't had any other job since. I've yeah. left the kitchen. So. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Baltimore. Oh, um, right on. Yeah, just uh, Baltimore County, just north of. Yeah. Just north of Baltimore, um, right on the city line, right there. Around right Lackawanna Reservoir, you know, grew up near the water. Um, one thing I do miss about, you know, being in Atlanta, love Atlanta. I do miss the water a little bit, but
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, actually went to school in Southwestern Virginia. And, uh, so, I mean, I, you know, that's a great way to lead up to like, I grew up in Baltimore. Like I went to school in Southwestern Virginia. Mm -hmm. Like there's actually a great tie there, but it doesn't always sound like it. But a lot of my friends are actually from like the DC area or just across the line in Baltimore. And a couple of my friends are actually from Baltimore County. Oh really? Yeah. Um, yeah, It was really great. I mean, we used to go to like UMBC lacrosse games Mm -hmm. and it's
1: a melting pot for a lot of people though too. And it's, There's a lot of really good schools there as well. Yeah. Especially when you said lacrosse, I mean, Johns Hopkins, Maryland, all that. Lacrosse is huge up
0: there. Yeah. But there's something really beautiful about that part of the country. There is,
1: um, you know, that's, I think coming to Atlanta, there's a lot of Baltimore is similar in those ways, you Mm. know, the diversity, the, you know, and I think coming to Atlanta, that kind of helped me, you know, come to Atlanta and kind of, you know, adapt very similarly. So yeah. Cool.
0: What kind of eater were you growing up? Um,
1: I kinda ate everything. Um, I was a little bit pickier as I got older, but you know, it's like as you get older you're Palates develop. Yeah, know, you like. There's things you don't like when you're a kid. And you're like, uh, yeah. You know, for, for example, sure. I tell people it's like beets because your mom would always make these like canned ones. You're like, what is this? It's garbage. So true. And uh, then you have a fresh one. You're like, oh my god, these are amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I I had a conversation with someone uh, about like canned beets or oh god, like canned asparagus or yeah, What you know. what what were our parents doing to us with a, with Brussels sprouts when we were kids? Because <laughs> it was just, yeah, just Like, yeah, like yeah. you know how much you hate cabbage. Yeah. Well, check these out because they're like just just tiny. A, yeah, just give it a bad rap. It's actually. Dope. Delicious. Yeah, no, and now now look, we're like eating you know Brussels sprouts fried in duck fat yeah. and with pancetta, you know, and everyone's like, oh my God, Brussels sprouts are amazing. It's like they weren't back in the '90s. They, man. Are, they weren't. No,
1: it shows in the cost of Brussels sprouts. They're up yeah. now.
0: People, you know, demand. Yeah, it is really funny though, man. Yeah. Like I I love hearing the story of you know I I didn't have you know like the most uh like I was a TV dinner kind of kid, or mm-hmm. you know it was like fish sticks were like a normal thing, you know, like, it's so funny. I think a lot of people have the misconception It's like, well, you obviously just grew up eating foie gras and no, you know,
1: <laughs> you know, and I do, I get that more so than ever, you know, because my father's a chef, but right. you know, I didn't grow up with my father until the first time I ever lived with him until I was uh, 18. Oh wow. So I grew up with my mom in Baltimore. and My dad was doing the whole back and forth, you know, doing the chef thing. He lived in Boston, DC, you know, he was finally ended up in Atlanta, uh, when I moved down here after high school. Um, and that's how I kind of ended up in Atlanta. Gotcha. And that's where all that started right there.
0: So. Yeah. Well, that's actually, um, that's actually a question that I wanted to ask you. So, um, tell me a little bit about your dad and I mean, cause you guys actually spent some time working together as well.
1: Yeah. You know, it kind of, um, it blossomed, you know, it kind of, he helped me carry me along. So when I came down here, I, uh, started working at a place called the food studio. It was in King flower art center. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right for sure. In, for Chris Brandt. Um, great guy great chef um, so I started working there which was fifth group was the same company my dad worked when he was in South City Kitchen yeah so he was a South City kitchen for a long time um, and I had worked at the food studio I moved down here um, and that's kind of what started everything for me and just kind of moved from there as far as my career but um, yeah so my father was kind of a big influence on that but from from Atlanta I've kind of went to uh, I moved to Charleston lived in Charleston for three years oh, right I um, went to Johnson & Wales in Charleston um, that's kind of where the story kind of plays back to tiny lose because it's a small circle of people in this business um, <laughs> The manager so I moved to Johnston. I moved to Charleston and went to Johnson Wales and the manager at the restaurant I worked in uh, which the restaurant was Peninsula Grill um, the manager there was Steve Palmer very cool Who is now the um, Chief operating officer of the Indigo Road who yeah? We, you know, that's the company I work for that handles the Claremont project. So, yeah, that's how this all came together because our relationship that we built, yeah, 17 years ago. It's awesome, small restaurant. But so, from Charleston, I spent three years there, worked at Peninsula Grill. Um, and then I thought I'd come back to Atlanta. I had kind of seen my thing at Charleston. I love, I love Charleston. Um, but I just wanted to do some, you know, see some other things. Um, I didn't necessarily want to work for my dad yet because I kind of wanted to do my own thing. I thought, you know, He's a respected chef. If i you know, if I want to come in and work with my dad, I don't want to come in f- fresh and green. I want to have my, you know, I want my own skill set going. You know, like yeah. I know, you know, I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, because you know, it's it's you know, working in a kitchen is is challenging, and you um putting your you know a family aspect in that too changes a lot of things, but for a lot of, a lot of good ways though. Um, so from from Charleston, I moved back to Atlanta. Uh, I went and worked at um, Canoe for a while um, from canoe. Um, I started working at, well, I was actually working at canoe and then during the day I was working at Muss and Turner's. Oh wow. Um, so I worked with all those guys yeah, when the you know, first oh, two man. years they opened. I love those guys. Um, great guys. Yeah. You know, Musman was my dad's old sous chef at South city kitchen. They, yeah. they're, they've been long time friends. They're you know yeah. best of friends. So I kind of, that got me that link there.
0: Yeah, like those guys, like Chris Hall, like they're
1: just, yeah, Chris, I opened fourth and swift with him, you know, um, <clears throat> both, it's funny, full circle again, restaurant business. Yeah. So I was working at <laughs> it's um, inevitable. <laughs> I was working at Must and Turners, and Joel Antonez used to come in for lunch all the time, um, and because he loved the uh, SBLT and the um, Must and Turners burger, loved it. So he would come in every you know every once a week at least mm-hmm. to come you know get this sandwich, and you know and and Todd had a really good relationship with him, and I was working the line one day, and Todd was like. Hey Joel, you working for line cooks? <laughs> he said, "Oh, actually, I am," and that's how I got linked up to where we work at Joel. So from um, from Canoe in the uh, Muson Turner stint, I went and worked full time at um, Joel. and then on Sundays I'd still work brunch at Canoe. <laughs> Joel paid you like, you know, very minimal money to work lots and lots of hours, but you didn't work there to, you know, to make money. You learned that you learned. You worked there to learn. So, yeah, um, it was an amazing experience. Um, I was one of three Americans that worked there. Wow. Uh, everybody else was from all, from all over the world, Singapore, Austria, Germany, um, you name it, all kinds of, you know, all, you know, Southeast Asia, a lot of Southeast Asia, because Joel worked in Thailand for a long time. Yeah, um, You know, he's, he's worked some amazing places, you know, he's, he worked at Tuago. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing where that guy's worked. Um, yeah. And what I learned from him. But, so, I worked with a, you know, very international kitchen. Um, <coughs> and from there, that kind of set me up to, I worked with an Austrian guy named uh, Philip. And his parents owned a hotel in uh, uh, Austria, right in the Austrian Alps. Wow. So, you know, we kind of befriended each other. And he said, yeah, you want to go work in Austria for eight months and just get a ski pass and, <laughs> you know, a couple, couple, you know, a couple, you know, some euros to take care of your bills. But, you know, a free place to stay in a ski pass and go cook there. And I said, yeah. So I moved to Austria for eight months. Is there any other answer than,
0: yes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I call, call my dad. And... I said, Hey dad, I'm going to move to Austria. He said, fuck yeah, you are. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't say that. that no, answer. you totally can't. <laughs> Swearing is absolutely welcome on the Atlanta Foodcast. Please do. I, I think that, that that's actually a really great point. If, uh, if, if a chef buddy or colleague of yours asks you if you would like to move to Austria, have a ski pass <laughs> and just make enough to like get by, but you're working in Austria in a yeah, restaurant. Yeah. I think the only answer is fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think by definition you
1: have to you know, say that. And you know, and he understands how this, the kitchen and it works, and how you got to put your time in, and you know you're not going to make money. He's, he was never he understood the path you have to take in this business. Right. So you know a lot of other parents who don't understand this field, it's hard for them to grasp that you know you're going to go make twelve dollars an hour for five yeah. years. You know. Yeah. It doesn't really, but you got to put your time in. You know, and that's kind of how it works. So from there, I kind of I uh, was in Austria for eight months, living in the Alps, hanging out, eating a lot of schnitzel. Snowboard, schnitzel's you know, was badass cool. though yeah i, I love was, it so I, so I got yeah. it on the menu here that's awesome yeah, that gets the old tiny thing we'll talk about in a second yeah. but uh <laughs> from there i moved down i had a buddy of my Graham, um he was working in italy and he was moving back to the states and said hey you want to take my spot in italy so i then from austria moved to italy and lived there for another eight months yeah what year was this this was two th- right before we opened to th- uh ford and swiss this was probably 2008 about 2007 2008 nice um so uh hung out in italy for a while I lived right outside of lake como there's a little village called Cantu, right between um milan and uh como wow uh, we go to como on the weekends and stuff and hang out just yeah. drive around the
0: setting just sounds
1: miserable yeah. um it was amazing <laughs> there was only one time the setting was a little rough uh, my buddy took my buddy. and the manager was named his name dushan he took me out on his motorcycle I was like hey dude let's go to the como he's like all right cool so it was like late night we kind of went out there had some drinks they're like, let's just stay on the mountain. Let's go, you know, let's go sleep on the beach. Like, it'll be fine. Oh, I'm no. like, all right, let's, why not? He's like, and then tomorrow we'll wake up. I'm going to take you up to see this lady. She lives on the mountain. She's going to make us fresh polenta. She's going to check out her cheese caves. I'm like, oh, cool. This will be great. You know, like yeah. food memories gonna be great. So, yeah. you know, fall asleep on the beach. And I'm waking up and he's like, he's, I hear him laughing, you know. And I kind of look over and I, and I look my other way and I wake up one, like, you know, on this beautiful beach and I look next to me though, and there's like this 85-year-old woman topless sitting right next to me, just laying down. <laughs> <laughs> so I woke up and just said, okay, Dushan, we got to go. And he's like, okay, it's okay. I make it up to you. So we ended up actually going up the mountain and this lady, um, she was actually from Montenegro. She lived in the mountain for about 15 years. She had this... Uh, Fresh planta ready for us with like roasted garlic and Parmesan cheese all over. It was just a big bowl of polenta. Oh, And then yeah. it was really cool because they have these cheese caves, or actually, these caves where they kind of, it's like a refrigerator for them. Right. So in the wintertime, they fill these caves up with snow and then yeah. it carries it over all the way
0: till the next season. So yeah, it's every season. Yeah, it's really cool. You know, yeah. they
1: still do it these, you know, these old ways. And it, it, was, it was pretty amazing and awesome.
0: So that, that is one of the most illustrative stories that I've <laughs> probably ever heard. But I, uh, I would really love to find a way to to take what you just told as a story and find a way to illustrate it in a way so people can like have that in their memory <laughs> of, of <laughs> something that might be slightly horrifying for you, but also really funny. <laughs> yeah, really
1: funny, but also like, all right, you know, whatever, <laughs> it is what it is. So oh, you man. know, I mean, you know, so. Yeah, um, but then so from you know from my te- in Italy, it kind of that's when Fourth and Swift um, slated to open, um, which was I guess I started about two months after they opened. So Chris Hall, we talked <coughs> about earlier, he was the opening yeah. chef of cuisine at that time. Um, so then I went to Forth and Swift um, and started. Then that's when I started to work with my father,
0: um, oh, yeah. and we learnt, worked together for eight long years. It's awesome, man. Yeah, Fourth and Swift. Fourth and Swift was a um, that was a that was definitely one of the restaurants that I remember kind of making up a large corner of the dining scene in the east side of Atlanta. So if you weren't going to Canoe, if you weren't going to one of the older places like uh, man, like Nikolai's Roof or an, any of the guys like you know, yeah, this part or, of town, you know, and yeah,
1: it's there's a lot of really great diners in this part of town that don't want to go to Buckhead yeah you know and they don't and that's, go necessarily the west side either cause right then you got to
0: cross over 7585 yeah no exactly to do that yeah <laughs> you know? it, it just it seemed like it was almost like this beacon of mm. really really great dining because it i mean was. it's so long before you know had any sort of food hall or like a lot uh, of not, yeah yeah a lot of like midtown even you know i mean there was like you know a handful of steakhouses obviously like especially on the you know the the main like midtown core but you know fourth and swift was definitely like um it was one of the more notable places if you're going yeah, out yeah, to and eat, it was
1: still in close proximity to peach tree and all that right. all that you know yeah. the fox and all that so you could still see a show but you can still kind of get away from all the hustle bustle of that and still have yeah. a dinner somewhere yeah um, it was cool so yeah it was great it was a great experience i wouldn't trade it for anything um working under my father and what i learned from him you know I wouldn't be here where I am right now if it wasn't yeah. for that experience. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: So you you worked with your dad for eight years. Eight years. Eight Man, years. That's uh, awesome.
1: Yeah, it was great though. Um, you know we had a great relationship. Um, learned a lot. Of, you know, we had so we didn't grow up together. We have we have a uh, better relationship, I think, because it's we we were more like best friends as opposed to like you know. Yeah, that, that like do this, do that. It's more of a collaboration than more. You know, yeah, than a, just you do that. And yeah, video, so. that's it's cool.
0: I mean, like I, I don't, I don't think that there's usually that that type of story. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've sat with so many people and had great conversations mm-hmm. of, you know, my, my dad was a restaurateur or he owned a restaurant and then I, you know, became a chef or. Um, I couldn't see what that was, and it sounded like someone laughing, and it kind of freaked me out for a minute. I was like, "What's going on?" down here? <laughs> so this is great. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 at the Claremont. Sometimes you yeah. just walk down the stairs and yell weird
1: things and stuff. Yeah, like. I, know. I was gonna say like that's kind of to be expected. <laughs> that's not. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
0: there's there's yeah, there's a lot crazier things that happen here. <laughs> I was gonna say, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of like the next subject that I don't want to jump into, but um, but yeah, man, I I think it's really cool, you know, to to sit with to sit with someone and hear their story of how they. Got into their culinary career, but mm-hmm. for you to, to take your own path and then come around to working alongside your dad, not for your dad, yeah, exactly. you know, is yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's such the opposite. But uh-huh. but um, you know, I I think that so many people are probably you know like the culinary world is just so rife with stories of like my dad owned a restaurant and then I eventually worked there and then you know mm-hmm. that's where I started my career and then I went to go work for like Penny or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and um, so it's uh it's really cool, man. I thought that that's. Um I, I don't know that I ever saw you at Fourth and Swift or you know but I mean it was um again it was just a really it's 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 so cool that that's a part of Atlanta dining history. Yeah, and, it, um, it is. Um it's cool to hear people still talk about it too. It is. It is. You yeah. know
1: and 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 it's 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 great too cuz you know Atlanta's a large supporter of Atlanta chefs. Totally. You know they 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 want they they love their Atlanta chefs and that's great and and it's awesome and I love how that no, that all comes
0: together in the city, and it's pretty awesome. So. Yeah, I know, and I mean, it's a uh, it's it's a good reminder too. You know, I mean, it, it's it's nice to see that there are several levels of how dining in Atlanta, being a chef in Atlanta, has evolved, and almost in certain stages, you mm-hmm. know, where Atlanta. Um, I think we're far out of the, the realm of people thinking, like, uh oh, it's just a southern city, you know, and it's, like, mm-hmm. soul food and comfort food and... Yeah, you know, those those
1: conceptions are starting to change, I think. Yeah. Those, those interpretations I mean, are starting to change, you know? And yeah. Food and wine just moved to the south, or are in Birmingham now, yeah. and, you know... That's a big one, yeah. Yeah, and just food culture is very... There's a lot of food culture here. It just hasn't yeah. really been explored as much as other
0: places. Yeah. You know, there's... And it's, it's cool, too, to see... Um, Things, you know, from from someone like Sean Brock, you know, who can or uh, or Stephen Zatterfield, you know, where Mm -hmm. something that is is so humble in the way that like, you know, something like Sea Island red peas, you know, but it can Mm -hmm. be so elevated in the way that that dish is celebrated doesn't make it any different the way that it was eaten 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. But now it is this like one of the last, you know, it's like this last vestige of history. And but the way that you enjoy a type of dish, especially in more of like an elevated an elevated setting Uh is um is so cool (laughs) you know i mean i i think that that's that's the thing that i love the most is dining around atlanta and things that have such a humble history are now more appreciated because of the way that they are they're they're treated as this piece of history but it's um it's really cool you know, and it, it, I think it's
1: a lot just to do with the, you know, not just in food, but culturally the way Atlanta's expanding, mm-hmm. like kind of like with the neighborhoods that are popping up. Right. You now, I used to say 10 years ago, there there wasn't any neighborhoods really in Atlanta. And now yeah. it's like there's defined neighborhoods yeah. and defined cuisines and, oh, we're going to this neighborhood, we're going to go to that restaurant. <laughs> or, you know, it was before it was just kind of sprack, we'll go over here, we'll go over here. Now it's right. like. Now you have restaurants with, you know, within these neighborhoods and yeah. these are the ones that are kind of defining
0: themselves. Yeah. So that's pretty now cool. you don't leave your neighborhood. You know, it's like, no, I've <laughs> got my grocery store, I've yeah. got my <laughs> <laughs> restaurants, I've got Yeah, you know, we we live just over I just
1: moved <laughs> I just moved up the street. I'm literally like a ten minute walk from here. That's now. awesome. <laughs> which no, side which side are I live, are you I live like
0: right down the street from Fellini, so that's awesome. Oh like that's over. great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, we're just over in Virginia Highlands. So yeah, cool. If Very someone's cool. like, Hey, do you wanna have a meeting in Buckhead? I'm like, I'm gonna find oh. any way that I can tell you that it's like, No, I've really gotta be at Crog Street Market. Um that just uh yeah, that's the rules. Yeah, so yeah, can't exactly. go to Bucket, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, man, speaking of neighborhood, I mean, this is awesome that we're sitting on the bottom floor of the Hotel Claremont. I mean, just a hop, skip and a jump yeah, from. Speaking of elevated settings. So yeah, yeah <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, this is, um, you know, I think we were chatting about this just a minute ago, but there is so much, um, story and history and lore of Atlanta. And you know, you talk about being either a a, a space and a location that's built on infamy or especially a place that has a soft spot in someone's heart because of the nostalgia that it brings them. Mm -hmm. Most people that I know have a Claremont lounge story and to see Tiny Lou's in the same building and now also the Hotel Claremont and then being on the roof yeah, uh, it's you know, um, like, lounge
1: below us, and then you're eating foie gras with
0: yeah, right above I, it. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> you know, and then you know, just like drinking, um, like drinking a cocktail, you know, and then just looking at pretty much all of Atlanta, you know. From yeah, the whole
1: property has a little something for everybody, and it's <clears> kind of like one stop shop. Yeah. You know you come, you can have dinner. Um, we'll see a lot of people coming for dinner. You know, and then they'll work their way up to the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, have some more cocktails up there. Like you said, it's gorgeous up there. I mean oh, you can it's see the whole, stunning. The whole city. Yeah. I love
0: the AstroTurf, personally. <laughs> as <laughs> yeah, soon as yeah, I saw we, that we, I was like, We liked That's it. Great.
1: Yeah, we thought it was great too. Um But this is the volume up there, so we'll see how it holds up with that volume. Um, yeah. but either way, it's it's beautiful up there. Um the setting we have a food cart up there too on the roof. Yeah. We, we we dropped we took a crane and dropped a hot dog cart on the roof. <laughs> that we serve barbecue on. And um, I, I would love I'm,
0: to learn the story of the logistics of that. Like we can't get yeah, this all thing. And then <laughs> we were kind of
1: already set up, but we we're like, we got to get this hot dog car on there. So we had to call in another crane and drop it on the roof. Um, but now we have a hot dog car on the roof. so it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I so,
0: love yeah. the, I love the menu up on the roof. Ed, Cause it's,
1: it's, it's still just fun. Yeah. You know, it's it's, just, it's, it's relaxed. It's kind of just, they want to relax feel up there. We want yeah. people to come up there and have fun and just, you know, have a good time and, Take lots
0: of pictures because that's what everybody does out there. Yeah, lots of pictures, but it's good. Yeah, and it's 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 so funny. I mean, you, I can only imagine like what people's evenings evolve from, you know, and especially whichever angle they're uh, they're coming from. Like, I'm actually staying here, or I'm just going up to the roof. Or I'm starting mm-hmm. at Tiny Lou's or whichever other way. I don't know. You know, yeah,
1: or you know, sometimes they'll work their way in the lobby bar and just hang out right. in the lobby bar because we have all this cool, you know, that table in the like the main. We call it the library right there. Yeah. Um, this whole thing feels like a Wes Anderson story. Yeah, that actually used to be in a convent, that table upstairs. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> how perfect. How perfect. So yeah. perfect. So great.
0: But um, <laughs> but this is, um, God, how many months has it been since you guys opened Tiny um, We're well, going everything.
1: On, yeah, we're, we're coming up on
0: June uh, 12th will be our one year. That's insane. Yeah. It, it's nuts to, I mean... It went it's, really fast. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's <laughs> so much news, you know, to, mm. to keep track of. And um, that's what I love about my show is, like, I don't follow people. You know, news. I'm not trying to go for like yeah, news yeah. flow. It's like yeah. I. It's more of a just stock. It's like your story is always going to be your story. Yeah. But then there's this piece of it. It's like, well, then tiny Lose is still kind of new. But yeah, yeah. you know, that's uh, it's it's nuts. You know that I um, I'm not like chasing after people as they're opening your restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like, what when are you opening? When's your yeah, grand yeah. opening? It's like no, just tell me like what your history is and like, oh my god, you've been open for ten months? I yeah. can't believe it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I feel like I mean, especially just living in the neighborhood essentially and watching everything happen. Um, it just feels like everything goes really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Everything does go really quick, yeah. you know,
1: and especially when you're busy. Um, you know, and Atlanta's has been busy this, this year. Uh, the Super Bowl here, which oh yeah, man, you know, we had a, we had a busy opening, and then you know we we're rolling into the holiday season. You know, yeah, hotels off. You know, they've been rolling full occupancy as well, just doing really well as well. That's awesome. And so, and then you go into Super Bowl, and then you know, yeah, all of that. So it's been it's been a lot of fun, you know, a lot of lot of a gr- lot of growing, a lot of learning. Yeah, um, but well received and we just have a great staff i mean everybody here just loves working here and it's yeah. just
0: it shows um it's, it's i love cool like seeing. the the coffee bar in the lobby yeah, yeah. um i mean it's you know if if you can find a good parking spot like on the street mm-hmm. it's awesome you just like zip in grab a cup of coffee and i love revelator you know it's yeah, yeah. it's it's great coffee and um but there's there's something really um i don't know and this might not make any sense but you know of of how it's set up it just reminds me of walking into either a, um, like, a hotel or, you know, a uh, a restaurant that had, like, that case where they always had, like, Hershey bars and like juicy fruit gum and mints and then Mm. maybe like a couple boxes of matches Mm -hmm. you know but Mm -hmm. and then like it had like the old school register you know it was like ka-ching and then it would open and all that you were buying was just like little tchotchke things (laughs) you know but it's like because it was always there it's always like pretty much like Mm -hmm. where you're walking out the front door Mm. and I just I love like walking into that little space because it almost feels like it's someone's kitchen but at the same time like you almost forget that you just walked into the, you know, Claremont Hotel. <laughs> yeah. You know, the original,
1: <laughs> the floor as you walk in right there, that's all original too. Yeah. yeah that's that's the, all. They, they managed to save that, which was pretty yeah, cool. The yeah. V- the visuals, uh pretty much everywhere you turn is it's just awesome. It's pretty
0: awesome. And it's all different. It's kind of walk, like walking through time. Yeah.
1: It really well, is. Well,
0: and, and give me some of the history. I mean, so, I mean, I, I think everyone can kind of read ad nauseum of you know, Claremont Lounge, Hotel Claremont, and everything else. But this specific story of what the inspiration behind Tiny lose is because that's a really cool story as well it is kind of cool um
1: so the hotel was built in 1920 um it originally was the uh housing for the ford employees at the ford factory right here wow um it's called bonaventure arms so this used to house all their employees um the rooms were a lot smaller than our hotel rooms are now (laughs) (laughs) i bet um but so the originally it was you know it was in the 1920s um which is also associated with kind of moulin rouge kind of a time period which kind of um the guys who kind of the brain you know the brains behind what kind of concept they wanted this to be thought you know french this kind of actually coming from steve palmer he's, he's kind of said you know french is gonna make compact he, he had a hunch he said you know i think french cuisine is gonna make a comeback and it fits perfectly with this this property mm-hmm. um kind of found in the 1920s time um so it kind of it just fit and um As you can see with the decor, it really does fit French cuisine in the way kind of what we represent, what we do here. It definitely is kind of wears off on that. Uh, The name Tiny Lou's came from um, Tiny Lou used to be a dancer here, I believe, in the fifties, early fifties, late forties. But she got her kind of her claim to fame is she was the uh, she was she refused to dance for Hitler. But I was like, well, how does that tie into Atlanta, and why is she here, you know? So <laughs> we kind of looked at She's actually Austrian. Oh. So I guess she was an Austrian burlesque dancer or some sort, and then somehow found her way to Atlanta, um, and she was a dancer at the Gypsy Room. Um, the g- Gypsy Room was actually the room, we were, like, the room we were sitting in right now. This used to be another club called the Gypsy Room. Oh, wow. And it was like a gentleman's club. So during the 50s and 60s, this was actually like a um, – like a playboys club kind of situation okay. where they had burlesque dancers and things right. like that. And she was a dancer there. Gotcha. Um, so that's where they got the name tiny loose from Yeah. And you know, and then with the Claremont history downstairs, this dancer that used to dance in this room, um, the hotel in itself, um, French cuisine, it just fit, you know, yeah. it's just like kind of all like, Oh, this all makes the the perfect sense. The, yeah, it's like the perfect <laughs> homage, man. <laughs> it's it's like, too good. Yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. like the property. I mean, it's just the perfect homage of Atlanta and, um, you know, so it's cool. Yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not hard to scan just <clears throat> enough of the skyline if you're elevated enough. So, if you're on the roof of, you know, Pond City or somewhere in Midtown, the spire that comes up mm-hmm. from, uh, Hotel Claremont is visible pretty much everywhere on the east side it of town. Is. You it can is. See it is. That's actually
1: the original radio tower. Yeah. So, they took it down and just rebuilt the
0: letters. Yeah. And, put it, back and it was cool. I was having a conversation with some friends of mine, um, where we were chatting about, um, you know, RFD social in Pond City and they, you know, radio farmers democracy, this you know show that would air nightly, you know, for essentially the agriculture community where Mm -hmm. they're coming in from working in the fields all day. And then this is like, it's called dinner bell, you know, and it's like ring the dinner bell. And then it's a show that you listen to, like while you're eating dinner that probably someone was working all day to make, you know, and it's just the amount of like radio activity that was happening just up and down Ponce. Is really, yeah, and really there's other cool. stories I heard too, like the
1: street level here actually, where you come into the hotel, it was actually one floor lower. So the level that we're on right now is actually a street level. That's why the side doors right here. Oh, wow. So the street at some point, they had to raise it up all the way. Dude. Ponds all the way, came up that high. They were digging for here um out front and they actually found cable car lines that they were they when they were digging in the road there right oh into gosh. And they had to pull up these cable car lines that were ran down but yeah I gracious. guess so that's why mm-hmm. they actually the, the normal door to sign signing um Tiny Lou's that actually used to be at street level. Which yeah.
0: kind of cool. Yeah. That's how I love telling people, you know, it's like, before you cast judgment over what I'm about to send you a link to, like, <laughs> the Claremont Lounge is an important piece yeah. to Atlanta history yeah. and yeah. modern day business, so just track with me. <laughs> you know, so if I'm, like, sending this to my parents or, like, a friend of mine, they're like, why are you sending me a link to a strip club? And you know, it's like, no, 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 no. No, it's not... Like that's if anything, like you're doing it a disservice, and like you gotta keep going up a few floors. It's like it that's that's a huge <laughs> part, but then <laughs> restaurant, hotel, like major piece of history. So th- I think that's my favorite part yeah, too. Yeah. Like,
1: our managing partner, he's from Atlanta, and his yeah. mom, she he grew up in the Alpharetta. Earl- early, you know, he grew yeah, up yeah. in the Alpharetta, and his, you know, his mother, he said, "I heard, I heard you're getting involved with this strip club. What is this?" He's like, oh, "Hold on, mom. <laughs> no, no. There's something downstairs that's, yeah. you know, but."
0: It's a completely different yeah. project. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna. We're gonna have dinner together. You yeah. know, it's gonna yeah. be great. You know. Um, but yeah, man, tell me a little bit about the about the menu side of Tiny Lou's and like how you kind of went about developing that menu. Um, so we wanted to do it's essentially a French brasserie. So
1: you know, we wanted to create a uh, neighborhood restaurant. You know, not somewhere where you know anybody could come and eat. You know, and uh, you know a, a you know a neighborhood eatery you know where people can come that's kind of where it kind of tied into the neighborhood keep the neighborhood involved within something you know we don't want to have keep this elevated dining scene to where it's we don't want to become special occasionally we want anybody to come in here and experience the whole property right you know and keeping a nice French eatery sounded perfect for that um, so the food itself you know it's very brasserie we got steak frites on the menu um, we do have foie or shan on the menu. I have We have snails on the menu right now. Um, you know, but we offer a good range of, you know, appetizers. Um, the menus kind of separated by hors d'oeuvres, which is your appetizers. And then we have fish, meat, and then a vegetable section yeah. as well. Um, changes seasonally. Um, we also run, you know, specials and things like that every day. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of based around what's available and what's fresh and what's Best seasonal greens we can get. Yeah.
0: yeah, it is. It is really cool to see more of a um, of a French style dining. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'd say setting as well. You know, what I mean, mm. but like you know, great. I mean, there's a great wine menu. I mean, you can. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so interesting to to kind of take all of this like the amalgam of everything that's on this plot right now, mm. and um, everything fits together, but everything still also kind of retains its own personality and mm. you know just speaking with friends of mine who you know they either do what you just talked about like they come here for dinner and then they make their way up to the roof or vice versa they're mm-hmm. waiting for their table yeah. um it uh it seems like this is becoming the spot to either pair i'm i'm starting with drinks and then moving to dinner or i'm starting with dinner and then moving to drinks and mm. but it's um it's just as much entertainment as it's becoming like a really great spot i mean i've heard so many people talk about the steak frites like you know they're <laughs> like i don't w- probably wouldn't want to order that anywhere else but for some reason you know like <laughs> i've gotten that three times <laughs> so it's cool yeah and it's great you know and people come and get a quick bite and there's just a lot going you know there's a lot going
1: on it's a, just a fun place to be you know and it's it's kind of created a whole thing in this neighborhood this whole area of ponds now it's just amazing yeah um so yeah and then we got you know some new things we got working on too um we're currently working on trying to get a rooftop garden put in Oh, so it's that's awesome. pretty awesome. There's a little section back of the roof area that we're going
0: to turn into a little garden, which is pretty cool. You're going to put a garden on the roof with a crane as well? No, I think we're <laughs> going to get a bunch of raised beds. Yeah. yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, that'd be really funny. Yeah. can't. You can't. That's, that's pre-opening expense. After that, yeah. you know, that's a, everything changes after pre-opening you know, That'd be great. <laughs> that's a nice thing to chase after. It's like, what could we use a crane for next time? Yeah. Not something anybody wants to chase after. But, um... But man, this is awesome, Jeff. Thank you so much just for joining me here. And, um, but yeah, I mean, like just with like the, the last couple minutes here, I mean, like, you know, the mic's yours, man. Like, what do you what do you want to say to everyone listening?
1: Um, um, just want well, to you know, everybody, had, if you haven't had a chance to come check out Tiny Loose, please do, or the, cop, or the property, or come hang and experience the roof. Um, like I said, we have the cafe during the day. If you want to swing by and just do, you know, do some work, have a cup of coffee, swing by, take a little view of the property. Um, anybody's welcome on the roof. We don't charge for anybody to get up there. You know, sometimes we hit capacity. Yeah, this just happens. But <laughs> you can't get in the um, elevator. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then we are um, just moving forward. We are offering um, the rooftops going to be back to full time um, every day, every day of the week now. Awesome. Um, we kind of close it down just to weekends with a tent well, in the colder weather. But we're looking to get the swing of things going mid-April again. So we're going to have nice. every night of the week and get up there food cart will be operating again so getting ready for that warm weather
0: yeah it's going to be fun coming over here on the summertime yeah we're excited and, you yeah. know we
1: got through year one and now we've got oh, yeah. cool, let's let's try some new things and you know everybody's
0: excited about you know love warm weather spring you know it's the best here especially totally. as a chef because you get the best ingredients oh yeah <laughs> gonna, well and then you're going to start growing your own tomatoes on the roof and that's yeah be great. go up there and having fun with that <laughs> and, you know we're also looking at some other things and maybe start using some other outlets of the has uh, food and beverage options in the hotel as well so nice it's lot just of, a lot of fun things happening. Yeah, perfect opportunity to not have to leave your neighborhood like everybody it's wants great to, you know so yeah, we got everything here exactly and you can fall asleep here if you drink too much which is awesome but <laughs> you yeah. get a lot of staycations yeah to i was gonna say it's it's it's, you know, it's bound to happen so <laughs> but man chef jab thanks for joining me man thanks, it's great man. to thanks with you me. me i appreciate yeah. it thank you very much Many thanks go out to Chef Jeb for joining me for this episode, and if you're wondering when your next visit to Tiny Lou's should be, or maybe your first visit, just go ahead and head east for the radio tower that reads Hotel Claremont, and there you're going to find Tiny Lou's, and make sure you pay Chef a visit, go have fun on the rooftop bar, have a fancy-as-hell dinner, and you're going to have a great time. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host, hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Goetz, and if you like what you hear, you can support the show right now on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Goetz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry.